Hear the storms coming back sometime tomorrow, mostly afternoon hours. Some of it with heavy rains. Flood watch till noon tomorrow. Overnight, 60s to 70. The afternoon goes to low 80s tomorrow. Widely scattered tomorrow night, 60s to 70. Rounds of thunderstorms and showers, breezy and near 80 for a high Thursday afternoon. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. Tom Fitzmorris Food Show. I am not Tom Fitzmorris, as you probably have figured. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris. Sort of inherited the show, but we'll keep it going. 5569696 is the number. If you want to talk food, that's what this show has been about for a very long time with some very enthusiastic diners and mostly just listeners who want to think about something other than things that make them sad. <laughs> so it's hard enough. It's hard enough watching this weather, the constant drizzle or the downpour. We have to make ourselves feel happy some way. So we're going to talk about food because I don't know. You know, I would say it makes me happy, but it usually winds up not making me happy because then I eat too much. Like we were just, I know, I'm sorry, at Coretta. We do it to get out of the house. And, um, we got, we got Tom's usual thing, and they don't even ask us what we want anymore. They just bring the food that we normally get. And uh, I, was, I was talking about how good the, the chips looked today, which almost always makes me gravitate toward the chori queso, which was absolutely essential for many, many years. But... You know, you can only eat so much of that stuff. You have the fried chips and then you have the uh, the cheese dip. And it's just, you know, I just start eating and I think I shouldn't be eating this. And so finally I quit eating it. But uh, I was talking to a little girl who was waiting on us who has an incredible body and she works out. And now it's spread to a couple of other servers there. And they're really, you know, they're really paring it down. And I just, um, I thought, you know, it's, it's really good to feel strong, and so I, I am feeling strong. I resisted the chips and the chori queso today, but I did bring the chips home because Tom is going to get those now in his gourmet breakfast with chili calis. If you are a fan of chili calis, then you probably know more about it than I do. I, um, I know that I see it in California a lot, and what I see, and I've not paid an awful lot of attention to it, but I'm going to experiment a little bit with it. Uh, it is chips. It is fried tortilla chips with scrambled eggs and chorizo and um, cheese. And I'm not sure what else. So if you are a Chilaquilas fan, uh, you can contribute to Tom's breakfast tomorrow. Tom has had some, as I said, really gourmet breakfasts, and um, a lot of them involve leftovers from restaurants in some way. So this is going to be a new phase of Tom's leftover gourmet breakfast, which he absolutely is nuts about. 
and uh, and so we're we're gonna we're gonna try the Mexican version. I have other chips here too, but just uh, just out of curiosity, I have to go get the chorizo. I would go and get it from a Mexican market, and I may go and do that, but that's an extra stop for me. We also get the Johnsonville chorizo. I think that's a good product. Uh, we've had several different kinds of those. Uh, we've gotten the um, Italian, the hot Italian, the brats, and the chorizo too. And um, I was looking for chorizo rather desperately at one time and discovered it and have gotten it several times since then. I was really on a chorizo kick when lockdown first happened. And I discovered, this was in the very beginning, it's almost hard to go back to that place where we were just being locked down, you know, the two weeks to flatten the curve, wink, wink thing. And um, I discovered something that people have really gotten into, which is restaurant food in supermarkets. And in the beginning, I was really into the Johnny Sanchez queso at Rouse's. And I haven't looked for it lately because we've been, you know, we were unlocked down as soon as we were unlocked down. So in other words, last May, when you were able to go into restaurants, uh, sort of, kind of, you know, um, I was thinking, gosh, will we ever go back to eating in restaurants? The answer was yes, as soon as they opened again. And so we have been pretty much, we didn't miss a whole lot of beats, let's put it that way. So we've been eating out in restaurants as soon as they open their doors in any fashion. And uh, so we kind of got off of that. But I have to go see if there's still the Johnny uh, Sanchez queso, which I thought was really good. But it was made much better by the addition of chorizo. So we made it a chori queso, and for a while we were getting our Mexican fix that way. So I may actually go back and get some of that for Tom's Chilicales. But if you know about Chilicales, if you are from, if you are listening in California or on the West Coast somewhere or any place where you might have run into uh, really good chilaquiles. This is my new experiment. And I will be starting it tomorrow because the chips are fresh and they look really good. And uh, I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to make another experiment. 5569696 is the number. If you want to talk to me, I'm here. Ready to talk food with you. I also want to talk about unusual cakes. Today is National Devil's Food Cake Day. That is something, first of all, I don't look for, so I don't know. Maybe Devil's Food Cakes are out there everywhere, but um, actually we don't look for any cakes because if we need a cake, we know where to go. <clears throat> I just ask my daughter to do it, and she grumbles a bit, and then she does it. But And also, I'm doing my own cakes now. The short cakes are coming out. <laughs> I passed the... Uh, I passed the little market the little fruit stand in abita springs the other day and saw that they still have just the last little trickles of strawberries not in flats but in the individual containers and there were just a few of them and i don't know if that's really 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 the last of them but i was tempted to swing in there and find out if that was really 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 the last of them i have a stash in the freezer 
for the next strawberry shortcake I make, but those are the only kind of cakes that I'm making right now. If you are a fan of Devil's Food Cake and know where to get a good one, uh, we would like to hear about it. When I think of Devil's Food Cake, I think of other kinds of unusual cakes, <clears throat> like a German chocolate cake, which is not really German at all. But anyway, um, it is, uh, those are two that I think of as not the ordinary run-of-the-mill cakes. We don't tend to eat cakes like that. We tend to eat cakes that are chocolate mousse cakes or, um, I'm trying to think, that's probably it. <laughs> we have a souffle cake that we make when we need a cake, but it's not very much of a cake. It's a flourless chocolate cake. So we tend to eat unusual cakes in this house that my daughter makes, but they're not those kinds of cakes. So if you have, are a fan of a particular kind of unusual cake, be it devil's food cake or German chocolate cake or any other kind of off the beaten path uh, cake, we would like to know about it. I guess there's a red velvet cake too. That's a big, <clears throat> that's a big one. Devil's Food Cake Day. Here's how you get Devil's Food Cake to be really dark and different, according to Tom's Almanac. You add red food coloring to the batter. Isn't that also the way you get um, a red velvet cake? It won't show as red, but as a strangely deeper dark brown. More interesting is National Meat and Three Day. The hotbed of the meat and three meal is the roadside diner and also the Windsor Court Grill Room which I think is a fun twist on it. But there's, <laughs> there's nothing diner-ish about the meat and three at the Windsor Court. Many of those still show a list of the special entrees of the day with a meat, poultry, or fish as a central item. Below is a list of 10 or 15 vegetables and salads from which you may choose three to go with your entree. Corn, peas, green beans, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, french fries, cauliflower, Green bean salad, coleslaw, spinach, and lima beans are among the most common items on such lists. Most of us were introduced to this concept in school cafeterias, which serve a meet in two through grammar school and then escalate to a meet in three in high school. Ah, the little segmented plates. <clears throat> I almost get like a, a guttural hivish reaction to a segmented plate. It takes me back to my high school cafeteria, which was not a good experience for me. Uh, the plates, the, the kinds of plates that you could do that we could talk about for fun today. Um, there's the, we've been talking a little bit about Hawaiian food. The plate lunches in Hawaii are, well, let's put it this way. They make the, uh, diner meat and three look like the Windsor Court meat and three. I don't understand that whole thing, but it's a thing out there. Also, the dilly plate in cafeterias is kind of a meat and three thing. <clears throat> but that one is one that you would choose yourself. And I remember many a dilly plate going through the line with my parents. And of course, there is the, the upscale meat and three from the Windsor Court. But if anyone knows of any other kind of special lunch plates that we might not be thinking of, I'd be interested in hearing that. 
556-9696 is the number. If you want to talk to me, Marianne Fitzmaurice, about food, that is all we do here. I've been doing it a very long time. Not me, Tom has been doing it a very long time, me for just about two or three years. We'll be back after these messages. Have you ever eaten something new and wondered where it had been all your life? We thought that about Double D Sausage after having it at a friend's house. But restaurants all over town serve it in their gumbo, red beans, and jambalaya. It's made right in Bogalusa, and the company is in its third generation. Double D Sausage is a light smoke, pure pork sausage with notes of sage and other spices. Try the regular mild and hot and new flavors like the Cajun variety and jalapeno and cheddar. Double D Sausage in stores all over town. The best meals always start with the best ingredients. If you're cooking seafood, the best ingredients are at Mandeville Seafood. All local fish, Louisiana shrimp, oysters, crab, crawfish, wild salmon, and Dungeness crabs. For the little notice, Mandeville Seafood can get anything in the seafood universe you may want to try. And it's crawfish season. Having a boil? Bring your ice chest to Mandeville Seafood. Celebrating 25 years. You make me feel so young. Yes, indeed. 5569696 is the number. Mandeville Seafood is the sponsor of our fish school as we try to learn a little bit more about different kinds of fish. My sister sent me a picture. She's on vacation right now. Not the one that you know, but the one that lives in D.C. And uh, she sent me a picture of a wahoo that they caught off the coast of North Carolina. And I was able to tell her a little bit about it because I've been listening to our fish school, which will be coming up at 3.30 today because we have Stan who's calling us at three o'clock. Let's go to Mike. Hello. Mike, hello. Hello. I got a question. All right. Is hit there me. an Asian grocery on the North Shore? Is there an Asian grocery on the North Shore? Hmm. That is a good question. You know what? There's a there's a guy who owns Lakeshore Seafood, which is in that shopping center on 22, which was Okay. You know what it was? It's on the, there's a, a strip mall where I think Swazdi is right up front. I think, I think it's the same shopping center that Mandeville, uh, I mean, uh, the Mandeville location of Mandina's is in the back there. Okay, Do you know what I'm talking about? It is. used to be a woman's dress shop in the front and has been one or two things since then, but it is now a seafood market restaurant similar to mandeville seafood but it is owned by an a, a chinese guy and he owns a couple of things i would go there i don't know that there is one off the top of my head it's not something i would look for but i'll right. bet you if you went into that place or called there it's called lakeshore seafood yeah, you can get, for you can get a the, lot of the condiments and stuff at the regular grocery stores, but I'm actually looking for a place that would have produce. Have you ever had bitter melon by any chance? Bitter a, a what melon. melon? The Yubari melon? Say it again. Yubari? What are you looking for? They call it bitter. B-I-T-T-E-R. Bitter melon. Bitter melon. Yeah. No. It's, it's, yeah. it's very, it's, it grows like a weed. 
I've been in people's backyards. They grow it themselves, and they use they use trellises to grow it the way you would, uh, you know, the uh, what are we what is it we grow down here? <laughs> melatons, the, the melatons, huh? the melatons. melatons. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. it grows it grows very profusely. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think that the temp, the uh, winters over here would tolerate it. You know, I, I don't think it's something you could grow on the North Shore because it gets considerably colder over here. Well, where, anyway, why don't you get some from your friend? Well, this is not. This was many years ago. I used to buy oh, it on a regular. There, there was an Asian grocery right at Thirty Second Street in Williams. I'm sure you're familiar with it. I think it was yes. Japanese owned. Yeah, it was actually the good. person who owned. Uh, I think it's the the guy who did. Um, ooh, uh, it's a restaurant. I think it maybe it's not Kyoto. Little Tokyo. Tokyo, people. Little Little Tokyo, Tokyo people, thank you. Yes, yeah. yes, that's that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was, they had a pretty good selection of produce there. They, yeah, they did. I haven't, been in, uh-huh. I haven't been in there in years, but, you know, I know back in the day that I could get pretty much anything I was looking for. They even had uh-huh. things like fresh turmeric, which, you know, where do you go find fresh turmeric? <laughs> yeah. But uh-huh. Enough of that. I wanted to tell you that we did make it to Coquette. Oh, yeah. There were, four, uh-huh. there, were, there were four of us. Okay. And overall, it was a very nice experience, a very good experience. Uh, it was one course. We 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 decided to do the the tasting menu, and mm-hmm. there were four savory courses: a pre-dessert and a dessert. And the only issue I had was with four, the, the fourth savory course, which was the meat course, and it, it was strip steak. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know how powerful strip steak can be. But anyway, I know Tom loves his strip steak. But anyway, it was I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that this was like a two ounce serving steak. And that not would in and of itself wouldn't have that in and of itself wouldn't have been bad, but it had been smoked and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you half of it was inedible because it was cartilage and the other half was rare. My wife took one look at it and put it in my plate. <laughs> As all good wives do. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. Okay, anyway, so so first... here's. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, here's here's my question. Now, you you know my theory. Ninety percent, ten percent. I can tell by the tone, and by what you're saying that it did not make it out of the ninety percent. Oh no! It definitely did. Oh, it did. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge any restaurant on one course on a tasting menu. No. The the first three savory courses were were great. I mean, I really enjoyed okay. them. I'll give you a quick rundown. First one was heirloom cherry tomatoes. Uh, okay. They had, I think, trout roe, and I think he does like a smoked trout dip, all incorporated in one dish. That was really good. That's nice. The, sec- yeah. the second course was really interesting. It was a rice dish that was similar to risotto, but it wasn't called risotto, and it had nice chunks of crab meat in it, and, and when they presented it, it had popcorn in it, and I thought, oh, this is just too cute to be real, you know, but su- su- surprisingly enough, the popcorn added something both flavor and texture-wise to the dish. You know, it was, it was not anything I would have ever thought of on my own in a million years, but it was thoroughly enjoyable, you know. 
Interesting. And huh. third, third course was a little piece of trout, a uh, little, uh, I guess it was pan sautéed, and uh, very well done, nice serving of it, you know. And then the dessert was real good, too. I brought, I, I looked at the website, and they stipulated in their rules, their house rules, that there was a $20 bottle cartridge for one, and they did not stipulate a maximum number of bottles that you were allowed to bring. Okay, and usually if they do have a maximum number, like Revolution, for instance, they have a $50 bottle cartridge, and they tell you you can only bring two bottles. So I felt pretty much at liberty. Sounds that, like Revolution. You know, no, I don't like Revolution. But anyway, I bought four bottles of wine, and I was able to make contact with, they, they have a full-time wine guy down there, which I think is pretty ambitious uh-huh. for a restaurant, a restaurant of that, that size. Yeah, you size, know? yeah, uh-huh. And uh, he was very receptive to working with me, and he, uh, he took care of the wine service the whole night, did a wonderful job. I was very appreciative and, you know, made my appreciation known to him. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was overall, it was a really great experience. You know, we were there almost three hours, and it had been a long time since I had had a three-hour meal. You know, on the North Shore, an hour and a half, you're gone, you know? <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because when you first called up and you said that you had been there, you didn't sound like you said, well, it was very nice, you know, and that's that's what I call my 90% thing. It's like, yeah, it's really fine and, you know, it's fine. I don't need to run back there and get anything that I had and, you know, well, so, I, but... I think, I, think, I think that there's two reasons for that. It has nothing to do with the excellence of the restaurant. I think I'm jaded at this point. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I am. And, and I've we are, very sure. Li- I've gotten very lazy being a North Shore person. And <laughs> I really well, have. You know? I can't argue with that. I can't argue yeah. with that. You know? And, uh-huh. you know, the, I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you it was not unusual in the old days for us to have meals that extended four and five hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You know, with just course after course after course and yeah. one after I feel like that's part of my past. You know, I did that. Uh-huh. I enjoyed it at the time. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, this, this was nice. We were for, I was glad we would there to let the time would work because these were people we needed to catch up with uh-huh. that we hadn't seen since pre-pandemic days. And it gave us an uh-huh. opportunity to talk, you know. Oh, good. good. So, yeah, I, would, you know, I, I think the place is great. I, I would recommend it to anybody, you know. You know, I think that uh, before before we were staying closer to home, I mean, you know, Tom has eaten like that for 30 some odd, 50 years. He has eaten like that. And I didn't eat like that too much with him except occasionally. But um, I still stick to that 90-10 rule. I think that, and it is because you're jaded, me and you and all of us who eat, you know, meals where you have a rice dish that has popcorn in it. You know what I mean? This is right. This is the higher end gourmet stuff you know and you see that and yeah it registers on you but then you go someplace else and you see something else and that registers on you too but when you're used to that it kind of all blends really every now and then every now and then i get slapped in the face by something really great or i'm at a place where the food isn't exceptional 
in any way and by that i mean it is exceptional but when you when you when you're in that top tier it's all exceptional okay so right. the food doesn't necessarily pop but for some reason i'm super excited like i keep referring to that dinner that lunch that we had at brennan's where i rushed through it because we didn't have time we had to get back home but i was absolutely kind of giddy to be there now maybe it's because we've been on the north shore too much but I was really, really into that meal. And the food wasn't popping in any way. It was excellent, like all right. of those meals are excellent. But every now and then, bam, something hits you in the face. And it might not be from, it might be from an unexpected source, but it's different and you think about it. And that's what I mean by the 10%. You know, Brennan's is a very celebratory type place. I mean, you it's hard to go into Brennan's and not get in the spirit of, mm-hmm. you know, celebration. I mean, that's my take on it. every time I've ever been there. Yeah. Even, you know, yeah. old days, new Always days, whatever. But then, you know, yeah. another thing, and I'm sure you're well aware of this. I think we overuse the word gourmet because excellence is excellence. Okay. It right. may be mm-hmm. tacos. It may be pizza. It may be whatever. If it's done right. really well, then it's excellent, you know. Yes. And it, it doesn't have to be gourmet to be delicious and wor- well worth eating. And like I said before, we don't eat with our heads. We eat, we're visceral in our, our approach yes. to food, you know. Yes. So we're not yes. looking so much to be entertained with it as we are to be gratified by it, you know. Well, and, and mostly it is a social thing. Like you explained what you were saying. You were happy to catch up with these people. You dined and reveled in the social aspect of it. And the food was part of the experience, but it wasn't the only part of the experience, you know? And, and the ambiance so, of the place was also. I mean, it's, a, it's the yes. bar in there is just gorgeous. Yeah, it's a cool place. It's a cool place. I, I like it. I just, uh, I'm just intrigued by your opening line on it. And I just immediately went to the ninety ten rule, but if if yeah I know, but if you're saying you know it was really that great, then that's great. I'm glad. So you should go yeah, back over there I, a little more often. Definitely falls in the ten percent. Okay, talk to you later. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Two thirty. Time for the Louisiana Radio Network news. We'll be back. Louisiana Radio Network. I'm Brooke Thorrington. Legislation allowing anyone 21 or older without a felony record to conceal carry a handgun without a permit is headed to the House for final passage. Matt Doyle has the story. The bill cleared House Criminal Justice 6-4 and West Monroe Senator Jay Morris says his proposals about liberty. We do have danger in this society and this this bill is to counter that danger. But some black lawmakers on the committee expressed concern that the bill, which is opposed by the Louisiana Chiefs of Police Association, will result in police officers assuming everyone they stop has a gun. Representative Frederick Jones. It's going to give them a reason to shoot us, and we don't even have a gun. I'm Matt Doyle. The Associated Press has obtained footage of the arrest of Ronald Green, who was apprehended just outside of Monroe in 2019. The arrest is under a federal civil rights investigation. Initially, state police told the family Green died on impact following a chase, but later recanted and said he died on the way to the hospital after a struggle with troopers. LRN. It's official. The FDA-authorized two-dose vaccine for COVID-19 is becoming available to more and more residents in Louisiana. There's no cost, and anyone can get the vaccine, regardless of insurance. So if you want to protect your family, see the economy bounce back, and just get life back to normal, Join the rest of Louisiana and go sleeves up to help end the pandemic. Get the facts at covidvaccine.la.gov or call 211. How much money is 30 seconds worth to you? 
If you hire a non-licensed contractor, it could cost you thousands of dollars and hours and hours of headaches. Take 30 seconds to save thousands. Go to LAContractor.org and make sure he or she is licensed like thousands of great contractors here in Louisiana. That's LAContractor.org. Or get our free mobile app, LA Contractor, in your app store. Take 30 seconds to save thousands now. The Edwards Mortgage Group, the Mason Collective, NOLA Title Group, and ARC Insurance Consultants are the ones to call on for all of your home needs. Whether it's mortgages, closing, sales, or insurance, they take care of your home needs, and now they've come together to help take care of the needs of our beloved New Orleans music community by partnering with Bougainvillea Productions and Soul Project NOLA for Fridays from the Funky Uncle. Fridays from the Funky Uncle is a free webcast live from the one-of-a-kind Mardi Gras float, the Funky Uncle Lounge, that features New Orleans musicians playing live music combined with interviews and outreach news to raise money for the entertainment community of New Orleans that have been impacted by COVID-19. You can join in the funky fun time by simply going to www.funkyuncle.live every Friday night at 7 p.m. Coming to the Funky Uncle Lounge Friday, May 21st, it's Jack Eckert and on May 28th, the 101 Runners. For more information on how you can support Fridays from the Funky Uncle, go to funkyuncle.live. I get misty just holding your hand. True, true, true. You can get misty holding someone's hand. You get electric jolts sometime, depending on the hand. 556-9696 is the number. I am reflecting on Mike's call, as I often do. And I think there were some good points. First of all, Mike, if you're still listening... I didn't finish that thought on Lakeshore Seafood. I would call over there and find out if there's some little-known place where that melon that you're looking for, the bitter melon, could be had or any Asian market over here because I would bet that he would know of that. That's the first thing. The second thing is uh, when, when we talk about gourmet, I think that is an interesting point. I, I feel like excellence is excellent excellence correct and I feel like there are things that are often gourmet I call it that shouldn't be you should never gourmet a pizza I think a pizza is speaking of which I want to mention this on Friday we have a pizza expert that's going to call us his name is Andrew Doyle and he's a young guy who has been uh, traipsing around New York City for three months, really, really getting into New York pizza. And as you know, if you listen to this show, I love New York pizza. And I've decided that I like New York pizza more than I like Italian pizza. They're very different. Italian pizza to me would be a gourmet pizza. And I like New York pizza because it ain't. Now, we're going to find out how New York pizza has evolved, maybe, when we talk to Andrew at 3 o'clock on Friday. But um, I just feel like you shouldn't gourmet certain things. There are uh, spaghetti and meatballs dishes that have been gourmet. And there are places where you're going to see this. They tend to be the hipper places. And I, and I keep saying I like the idea of that, but not really that. 
So um, yes, excellence is excellence. I stick to my 90-10 rule. And, and I think, yes, it absolutely could be just because we're jaded. But kind of, I think if you eat out at all, to any degree, you probably get jaded easily enough. I mean, when I grew up, eating out was the rarest of occasions. And there was no being jaded there because it was such an unusual thing. And I've said, people ask me, what are you doing for Mother's Day? I'm staying at home to cook because we eat out all the time. That would be special to me. So I, I find it just interesting to think about how we feel about dining out, as Mike and I talked about. Dining out is a collection of emotions that feed into the experience. It's kind of like you put in a bunch of things into a machine and it spits out the experience. And I, I think that Tom over-focuses on what is on the plate and I underfocus on what is on the plate and prefer to think about the social aspect of it. But there's so many different things that go into an experience of dining out. We went last night to Nuvolari's, which is a favorite. And I and I, I it took me a long time to come to the table on Nuvolari's and to really give it the respect that it deserves. Nuvolari's is part of a group of three restaurants, one of which is Jack Melon, which is 100% a 10% restaurant. And Nuvolari's, I like a lot, but it took a long time for me to say that because I frankly was a little off put by the environment, which I actually find charming now. So maybe I'm just, I'm changing as I get older. I don't know, but it is a delicious restaurant. Every bit is delicious. Well, I won't say every bit because it's a little less on the gourmet scale, I would say, than, than Jack Melian, but delicious, absolutely delicious. And I have to say, I am annoyed that I, I always get the alio olio there. It's one of those dishes that I think about when I want, a, you know, if I want some pasta with olive oil, I'm being immediately going to go right there. Also, Cafe Lin. It's called their Persiliad sauce. And uh, that's it, though. It's really hard to find a good, simple olive oil and herbs dishes dish with pasta. So Nuvolari's was my go-to on that. And for a long time, it was just top of the line to me, to my taste. And I don't know, the last three or four times I've had it, it's different and I, I just, you ever go to a restaurant and you get a dish that you absolutely loved and then it's different and you just want to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's what has happened with the, I forget what they call it. Well, I think they just call it alio olio there. But now it has a lot of microgreens on the top and it's got a different shading to the the whole dish and it's just different. And I have to say, I think I had it for the last time last night. I, I am not going to go there for that anymore because it's, it's not, it's not to my taste. 
anymore. It's perfectly fine. It's really good. It's not spectacular to me anymore. And I know people think it, well, you know, can Alio Olio really be spectacular? Yes, it can. And it's just what you like. And that was my top of the line. And now I, I honestly, the truth is, I don't think there's an Alio Olio out there that I prefer to the one that we make in this house. But if I, if I'm going to a restaurant and it's on the menu and it's a good version, then I'm going to get that. And so that is what we got last night. We also got the oysters dish, which if Tom is at the table, there will be one. And that is a good version. It's, it's on a little pile of spinach. It's a fried oyster. These were very small. So maybe the overblown inflated volume of oyster we've maybe we've turned the corner on that i've i've been working for the last couple of weeks on trying to get anyone in the oyster world to explain that to me and i've gone through several different people and i think i've found one but i don't know if he's gonna do it because he's on the oyster boat during the show so i'm gonna have to beg him but anyway there is definitely an explanation for it, and I've heard the explanation secondhand, but I want, I want it firsthand on the show. Anyway, these were small oysters. They were fried. They sat atop sautéed spinach. They had fontina cheese somewhere in there, melted, and it had that same um, wet cheese quality that I was talking about at Mariba, which is like the second time in a week that I've noticed that. And I don't notice it very often. So it's weird that I would see it twice in a week, but I'm, I'm sure it's because the spinach was so wet, but it was really good as it always is. There were a lot of oysters on that dish and I, maybe it's because they were so small. I don't know. But anyway, uh, that is how Tom started his meal. He also got the tomato basil soup, which I have to say is pretty great there. But honestly, isn't tomato basil soup just red sauce in a cup? It certainly tastes that way to me. Maybe there's a dash of cream in it, so maybe a rosa sauce in a cup. But um, this is, in my opinion, the best tomato basil soup that I've ever had. It's not something I would look for. I'm glad to have it when I have it. I feel like I'm eating something really healthy. But Tom is nuts about tomato basil soup and was really crazy about the one at Zia until they took it off the menu. Poor Tom. He gets so excited about certain dishes and he's the only one that orders them. And then when they take it off the menu and he complains about it, that he he's told that he's the only one that ever ordered it. Like the lamb ribs at, maybe it was Copeland's, I'm not sure. Might have been Zia, but anyway, he's the, uh, I think, I think it was the tomato basil and maybe something else at Zia that he was told that about. So if it's really different and Tom orders it, chances are it's not going to stay on the menu too long. But I think people, generally speaking, are getting more sophisticated in their palate. And uh, so maybe these things that Tom was the only one who used to order will stick around on menus now. Who knows? 5569696 is the number. 
I got the Alio Olio that I was disappointed in, and Tom could have quit and should have quit at the oysters, but didn't. And uh, he got a fettuccine Alfredo with mushrooms that he ate a few bites of, and it's in the refrigerator, where no one will probably eat it because I am I'm feeling strong. That was my last pa- pasta jaunt for a while. And I know everybody who's listening is going, don't you say that every day? Yes, I do. <laughs> I actually do say it every day. But one of these days, it's going to stick, right? I mean, I, I keep, it's, you just got to keep trying. It is hard, though. You know, I was looking at the newspaper and there was an article about um, all the weight that people have gained over COVID. So I know that I'm not alone, but still, it doesn't make you feel any better. Five five six nine six nine six. We have Stan Meadows coming up at three o'clock. He has been in Missouri, and uh, we are anxious to talk to him as we always are because he is always out investigating fun things having to do with food and not so much food, but we talk about the ones having to do with food. So Stan Meadows is up at three. If you would like to chat before then, give me a call. Five five six nine six nine six. Right down the highway from the excellent Keith Young Steakhouse is Five Girls. And the food is very good casual fare. Here is a fantastic club sandwich with homemade potato chips, a great Cuban, good salads, and the best red beans and rice we have ever had. Poor boys, hamburgers, and terrific fried seafood. Five Girls, 305 Highway 21 in Madisonville. 985-845-2348. Keith Young Steakhouse on the North Shore in Madisonville is everything anyone thinks of when a steakhouse comes to mind. The environment is elegant and handsome. The service staff is knowledgeable, attentive, and friendly. And most important, the steaks are superb. The steakhouse sides are also great. Keith Young Steakhouse, 165 Highway 21, Madisonville, 985-845-9940. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, madame, with you. You know, uh, I've never asked Tom to dance if I can think. I'm trying to think. I actually did ask Tom to dance once. We were on a cruise, and it was the QE2, and we were there for seven days with no port. So there were lots of things that you did that you might not otherwise do. And there was a ballroom dancing class and uh, we actually took it. So I think that's probably the only time I ever danced with Tom. We didn't even dance at our wedding. Anyway, 5569696, Henry, I need to get to Tom's prom night story before you leave us, and that's in two days. So since I have 15 minutes here, before I get into something else, I mm-hmm. might go ahead and read that. It's his account. I also have something else to tell you, Henry. Please. On Monday, we have the beer lady coming on, who is going to explain why New Orleans came up so short in the great beer city sweepstakes. She's got a lot, lot to explain there, yeah. Three o'clock, so um, if, you, if you can't listen... Um, you have to listen to the podcast, but I wish I could have gotten her on before then, but I, I couldn't. So oh, it's no problem. Monday, I'll definitely tune in. Monday, she will be um, she will be explaining that to you. All right. Thank I also you. want to make a note to you, Henry. Do not play the Sheep's Head Fish School 
because uh, the edible dictionary word of the day today is sheep's head. It's brought to you by Dorignex, one of the top 20 regional supermarkets of all time. Sheep's head is a gulf fish in the porgy family, very commonly caught in the spring and summer and widely served in restaurants. Although often under names like trout and redfish, sheep's head are boldly striped fish, a tall profile and generous fillets in a body that typically weighs between two and six pounds, but its head with jaws full of disproportionately large flat teeth takes up so much of the body that the yield of filet is smaller than one might expect. Otherwise, everything's good about sheep's head. It's excellent for sauteing, grilling, and broiling and lends itself to uh, buttery or spicy sauces. Gulf seafood expert Gerald Horst says that sheep's head eat everything from marsh grasses to clams to crabs and other fish. It has another official name, Rondo Seabream, but that hasn't caught on either. It's probably the single most underrated eating fish in Gulf waters. Tom likes to repeat a story about sheep's head. He was at Mr. B's maybe and he overheard a couple from someplace else looking at the menu and they saw sheep's head on it. And one of them said to the other, Henry, they really do eat everything here, don't we? Don't they? And I don't know, that's a common misconception, I think, although not for locals for sure. Five five six nine six nine six is the number if you would like to talk to me. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris. Tom, he has in his almanac today a story that reminds me of something that he kind of sort of reminds me of a fear of, of his Tom, I'm talking about. In his drinking in the movies on this date in 1942, the actor John Barrymore was rehearsing a script in which his character worries that he might die from drinking. Ten days later, Barrymore did indeed die of cirrhosis of the liver. And you've heard the joke, which in New Orleans would be considered death by natural causes. Ha ha ha, we've heard that one a few times before. 5569696 is the number. I'm not going to tell you what Tom's own fear is. He does have a long-standing fear about dying in a certain way. And it... Uh, <laughs> It's, um, I, I kind of worry about those kinds of things where you fear something for so long and it kind of actually does come to pass. So um, it's, it's a bizarre thing that he has been sort of consumed with. It is the way that a locally famous person did pass away. And uh, I don't think it's actually, you know, as a matter of fact, I know that's actually not going to come to pass for Tom because the way he used to eat would make it a real concern but he doesn't eat that way anymore so um having lost 100 pounds i think he's a little bit safer today is archie manning's birthday in 1949 he and another former saint danny abramowitz once owned a restaurant in metairie called archie and danny's in the north turnbull location that was andy's bistro and is now um three b's it's been so many restaurants it'd be almost it'd be almost a prize if someone could actually think of all of them but it started out as archie and danny's it became romanoff's it was kimchi for a bit it was sid mars 
there was an Indian place in there for a while, then Andes, and now Three Bs. Andes and Three Bs are the same owners, and actually it's the Bennetts who own the building, and after going through as many restaurants as they did, they were the owners of Speedy Oil Change when he sold Speedy. I think Kevin was looking for something to do, and he said, well, you know what? I'm tired of watching restaurants come and go in this space. We're going to get into the restaurant business ourselves. They've been very successful at it. Anyway, uh, he as Archie Manning is still kind of sort of in the restaurant business. He has Mannings in the warehouse district, and that is a good place to watch a football game, but not an especially good place to eat. I have to say that's true, although they did have this one. Uh, it was like a spinach and artichoke dip which is, of course, you know, something I'm going to jump all over, but it was a collard greens. I think it had artichoke in it, too, but it was when they first opened, they had this great collard greens dip, which was unusual, but also really very good. I was uh, most impressed with it. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you want to talk to me, I'm here. I want to talk to you if you'd like to talk about food. Anyway, at all, we would love to talk to you. As Tom likes to say, if you've ever had anything to eat in your whole, whole life, call us. Jane Brody was born today in 1941. You might know Jane Brody, who uh, wrote a weekly cooking and nutrition column in the New York Times. I remember uh, reading her book, which was pretty enormous. It was maybe two or three inches thick at the spine. It was Jane Brody's nutrition book. And um, it it's maybe kind of the first thing that had me thinking about nutrition. This was way back in the day when I was thinking only about things to do with kids. But um, it was enlightening, I would have to say. It was quite enlightening. And I'm glad that I, I got to read it. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. Henry, I'm trying to find, while I'm talking, I'm trying to find that piece that we were sent about Tom's, I was sent this piece about Tom's prom, and it was from a very loyal reader and um, listener to the show who was mm -hmm. listening the day that we were doing the prom thing, and she sent a list, uh, not a list, but she sent an account of Tom on his prom night that I started to read yesterday and I got distracted. And then um, I, I keep wanting to go back to it, but I am, uh, as, I, <laughs> as I thumb through, not, not all that good at um, multitasking, as my kids like to say. So we'll give up on that. And Henry, if you remind me, I will find it at the next break. And uh, we will talk about what happened to Tom in his own words on prom night because it was, you know, it was quite the, um, what is, what do you call it when the artist is doing something that maybe not too many people but them understand? It was one of those things. Words to Eat by today are from Nora Ephron, an American writer born in 1941 on this day. She says, I have made a lot of mistakes falling in love and regretted most of them, but never the potatoes that went with them. You know, I was writing about potatoes today 
for a piece in uh, the newsletter. It was about the baked potato that we had over the weekend. Potatoes are wonderful, aren't they? Is there anybody out there that doesn't like potatoes? I'd kind of be interested in hearing that. Maybe you're allergic to potatoes, but is there anyone out there that can taste a potato? You know, just like a potato with butter and a little salt on it, or maybe a lot of butter and a lot of salt, and cheese. Cheese is often on it, but anybody out there who can honestly say that they, they have potatoes and they start to eat them and you say, you know, I don't like this. This is not worth finishing. I can't imagine, but if you are one of those people, call us at 3.30. We have Stan coming up at 3. I would, I would definitely like to hear from you. Potatoes anyway are divine. I, I say that I'm always talking about fresh cut fries, which are of course delicious, but there's baked potato, there's potatoes au gratin, there's um, dauphinoise. I'm not a big mashed potatoes fan, which I, one of the things I wrote about in that piece today, but there's so many great ways to eat potatoes. I can't imagine anyone not liking the potato. Oh, hash browns, my goodness. My hash browns are killer. Words to drink by today come from Lady Nancy Astor, one of the wealthiest people in the world in the early 1900s. And she says that one of the one reason I don't drink is that I want to know when I'm having a good time. I gotta say that's true. Now, if she was having a bad time, maybe she wouldn't want to know that. So maybe she does start drinking halfway through an evening. Deaf Dining Rule number 174 today, the restaurants of the 1950s and earlier no matter how delicious our memory makes them seem, we're nowhere near as good as the restaurants of today. Hmm. I think there are exceptions to that. I think generally speaking, that is true, but there are exceptions to that. We were just talking about uh, Brennan's, which would fall into that category. All of the Grand Dames would fall into that category. Crescent City Steakhouse, I would have said affirmative to that on until I went to Mardi Gras with Tom just this past Mardi Gras and discovered that there are the best fresh cut fries I've ever had in a restaurant. And... While a lot of the things are definitely old-fashioned, there was a certain style to that food that is reminiscent of that time, and it reminds me of just great food that you would have eaten at home that is in a restaurant, but is that just great, hot real, close to the hoof, natural, best ingredients, cooked by someone knows what they're doing. It's hard to beat that, no matter what century you're in or what year you're in. It's, it's hard to beat that. So I would have said yes to that 
a couple of months ago, but I'm, I'm not really thinking that I would agree with that hundred percent. Now, another deaf dining rule, number 173 today, the most enjoyable part, perhaps the only enjoyable part of a meal in a meat and three kind of restaurant is the nostalgia it brings with it for simpler times. Well, again, I might've said yes to that at a couple of years ago, but now that I've had the meat and three at the Windsor Court, there's nothing nostalgic about it. Actually, the meat and three's changed in COVID times, but before that, I have to say it was pretty darn good. We have Stan coming up at three o'clock. He's going to fill us in on his escapades right after the news, which is now from the Louisiana Radio Network, three o'clock, WGSO New Orleans. Hey, this is William Wallace with William Wallace for America. You can hear me on Tuesday nights from 5 to 6 here in WGSO 990 AM, New Orleans, Louisiana. De-escalation today on the path toward a ceasefire. That's according to the White House. It was the fourth time the president has spoke with Netanyahu over the past week as the tensions continue to be high between Israel and the Hamas terrorists in Gaza. As Democrats on Capitol Hill continue to criticize Netanyahu for the strikes, he's not backing down. To have Israel criticized for that is absurd. Not only is it absurd and unjust and untrue, it does enormous damage to democracies that are fighting this kind of evil. It says you cannot protect yourself. The House expected to vote on a bill today that would create an independent commission to investigate the January 6th attack on the Capitol. USA Radio News. Schools are opening. So much opportunity to share not just memories of 2020, but germs. Worrying about your child bringing a cold or flu home is a thing of the past. Today, we have to be concerned about COVID. That's why you need to be sure your kids are protected in their school with the one-of-a-kind patented Safe Air Network equipment that continuously decontaminates not only air, but all surfaces. 99.9% .9 decontamination in three minutes to begin with, and then continuously so if any of the air or surfaces get recontaminated, no worries. Safe Air Network is not only the only system that cleans air and surfaces, it's chemical-free and 100 100% safe to use in an occupied room. The equipment is plug and purify, the easiest equipment to use as soon as it is received. Contact Safe Air Network now at safeairnetwork.com. That's safeairnetwork.com. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is opposing the formation of an independent commission to probe the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Speaking on the Senate floor, the Kentucky Republican calling the proposal slanted and accusing House Democrats of acting in bad faith. House Minority Leader from California Kevin McCarthy also not a fan of the commission. The House set to vote on the proposal Wednesday afternoon. It would then head to the Senate. After getting vaccinated, Ohioans are flocking to a website. One week after announcing a weekly $1 million drawing for vaccinated Ohioans, Governor Mike DeWine says the state is setting records for getting shots in arms. Last Friday saw the highest vaccination day in three weeks, with an increase in people aged 30 to 74 getting vaccinated of 6% since the lottery's announcement. Starting May 26th and running for five weeks, a $1 million prize will be awarded to one Ohioan who has received at least one dose of COVID vaccine. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. You're listening to USA Radio News. 
Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. Testimony is underway in Christian Rivera's murder trial in Iowa. The illegal immigrant living in Iowa is charged with first-degree murder in the death of former University of Iowa student Molly Tibbetts. He admits taking Molly's body out of the trunk. He admits seeing blood on Molly's body and neck. That's Powsheet County Attorney Bart Claver telling the jury about Rivera's police interview. Claver adding Rivera admitted to chasing Tibbetts while she was out for a jog and becoming angry when she threatened to call the police. He admitted taking Molly into the field, placing her face up, and putting corn stalks on her body. Well, today's thunderstorm activity will be winding down tonight. We'll get under some widely scattered activity, then look for a round or two of the storms coming back sometime tomorrow, mostly afternoon hours, some of it with heavy rains. Flood watch till noon tomorrow. Overnight, 60s to 70. The afternoon goes to low 80s tomorrow. Widely scattered tomorrow night, 60s to 70. Rounds of thunderstorms and showers, breezy and near 80 for a high Thursday afternoon. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. Of the food show, the Tom Fitzmaurice Food Show. I'm sure going to miss you, Henry. I really am. Let's go to Stan, who is with us, as he is every Wednesday, unless he doesn't have a signal. Hi, Stan. Hi, Marianne. How are you? I'm hanging in there. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm sitting there looking at the Kentucky Dam. I'm on beautiful Kentucky Lake. Uh, Oh, wait, you're in Kentucky? Yeah, I came to Kentucky. Uh, land between the lakes is what it's called. Okay. The area I'm camping in, it's an all-national mm-hmm. forest. And okay. I've been checking out. Actually, I went to eat out a couple times in Kentucky, a couple different places. And I'm making, you know, in uh, in Louisiana, it's the gumbo. That's what everybody makes the best gumbo. That's uh, the soup mm-hmm. of the day, if you will, there, the gumbo. In Kentucky, it's burgoo. Yes, like, yes, we had a, an edible dictionary word about that, burgoo, yes. Tell us about burgoo. Well, I'm making it tonight, so I'll be able to know, you know, burgoo's got pork, beef, and chicken in it. The, the pork and the beef is usually smoked, and the chicken is cut up and sautéed and then put in the oven after you sauté it. And then mm. it's just a mulligan stew that you can put whatever you want in it. I'm putting potatoes, carrots, tomatoes. Put a little bit of barbecue sauce, some fresh green beans, okra. Uh, then you oh add a little goodness. bit of vinegar in it to give it that vinegary taste. Uh, and then I'm going to make some corn muffins with it. Oh, uh, I'm going to experiment with it, add different now, things did you, to it. Things did out. you have burgoo in restaurants there? Have you had burgoo in any restaurants? Years ago, I had 
Burgoo in Owensboro, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am familiar with it. It's been many years. Is it as prevalent on menus in Kentucky as gumbo is here? Yes. It is? Okay. All right. Burgoo and a Kentucky hot brown sandwich is pretty much in every restaurant, whether it's a fine restaurant or whether it's a mom-and-pop meat-and-three type restaurant. Really? Okay. Well, so you Mm -hmm. said you've been eating in some Kentucky restaurants, but you haven't seen Burgoo on the menu, or you have and just didn't get it? Oh, no, I have, definitely. Oh, okay. Well, well, so did you get your recipe from someone, or you just are going from your recollection from years ago? I'm going from a basic mulligan stew recipe that I know and just add a few things to it, like the barbecue sauce and the vinegar. And mm-hmm. all three of the types of meats. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. back in the day, burgoo was, instead of those meats, it was made with squirrel and rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't think that the National Park would appreciate me uh, yeah. taking down a couple squirrels, even though they're out here. <laughs> I don't know. They might. They actually yeah, might. They might. But anyway, uh, that's a Brunswick stew. The, the, the squirrel meat is definitely a Brunswick stew. But... I didn't realize that there were that many meats in a burgoo, but I don't remember what Tom had written about it. Like I said, we did just have it a couple of weeks ago on uh, on the Edible Dictionary Word. I wish I had paid more attention to it if I had known you were going to be talking about that. I thought you were still in Missouri, and I did you get my text or my email about going to Doe's Eat Place? No, I didn't, but I Aww. don't go to a lot of places, and unfortunately, uh. don't really check emails very much anymore because i don't have Mm. to yeah right Uh, right yeah well i texted you or emailed you about doe's eat place because you know i'm obsessed with doe's eat place i've never of all the places tom has told me about in our 30 some odd years together that one intrigues me the most and i've never made it up there and I really, that's why I tried to talk you into doing the tamale trail when you were on your way out of town. But as it turns out, they are franchised. And I didn't realize that there were quite a number of those E-Place locations, including a couple in Springfield, Missouri. And so there's one in Baton Rouge that I'm going to try. And um, I thought that we could talk about it together. So I wish that we had gotten a hold of you. I was going to tell you, today you know if that if you hadn't gone to please go so now you're gone from missouri altogether are you are you heading you're after kentucky where are you headed well i'm probably going to go to nashville and listen to some music i'm going to be here in kentucky till after memorial day okay Uh, Mm -hmm. and i'm going to go out on the lake probably tomorrow the next day go fishing rent a boat and go fishing Mm-hmm. Um, in in Missouri, I stopped at a little town of Steelville and went to a music festival. It was really the, one of the first music festivals that they've been able to reopen uh, at a little winery and got to see some Nashville musician friends that performed there. So I'm probably, when I leave here, going to go to Nashville and see some music there and then probably head over toward uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay. Get in the mouth. So you said, you said you went to a winery. Was the wine yeah. any good? The wine was not any good, and I asked them <laughs> if the name of it. It was a a vineyard, is what they called it. But I'm like, uh-huh. where's where's the grapes? 
And they're like, well, we buy grape juice. And then uh, we make wine out of the grape juice. And whether and the wine was any good or not, after I heard that, I didn't really want anything to do with it. I, <laughs> I don't think Julianne Martinelli would agree that that's the way you make wine. So, <laughs> Is that in Kentucky? This is since you've been in Kentucky that you went to the wine? No, there was a uh, little town called oh. Steelville, Missouri, right on, okay, right back on in Missouri. the waterway. Yeah, I was back in I Missouri. See. I've been here in Kentucky, I guess, three or four days. Okay, so now where have you been eating? Because you said you've had some meals out in restaurants. So any place really noteworthy? Yeah, it, uh, actually, there's a, a little place like in Grand Rivers, Kentucky. It's real close to where I'm camping, and it's a it's a destination for for people. It's called Patty's 1800 Settlement, and they built a little bit village where they you know 1800 village, and they have craftsmen out there doing things. Uh, but they've been cooking food since 1977. Uh, and for this part of Kentucky, it's pretty fine dining. I don't use that <laughs> word a whole lot. I was it's about to say, I am sitting in Tom's chair, and my eyebrow is raised, you know, like his would be, about the fine dining aspect of Patty's fake town. It, it was real <laughs> close to where I would have felt more comfortable with a jacket on, actually. No it kidding. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was top notch. The food was very really? good. I had a two inch two inch double cut pork chop, uh, no which kidding. was cooked perfect over applewood over applewood smoke, and uh, you know spinach salad. And you could tell that the bacon dressing was the real deal, and it was made by somebody who knew what they were they were doing. Uh, hmm. And then the sides were were excellent, but. The desserts okay. were what the desserts were what blew me away. Actually, I took a dessert to go. Uh, I, I had for dessert it was a, a John Y. Brown butterscotch pecan pie, and John Y. Brown was the uh, was the governor of Kentucky at one time. But his claim to fame come he uh, he's the one that bought Kentucky Fried Chicken from Colonel Sanders. Yeah, he's the one that was married to Phyllis George, right? He was married to Phyllis George, Miss America. And he was going to Patty's to eat, and he told them that he wanted them to invent him a dessert. (laughs) Uh, And so they made him a a butterscotch pecan pie. That sounds really good. Yeah. And then they had a uh, devil's food cake that had, I think, maybe a little extra coffee in it Hmm. uh, from the taste. And it was an excellent tasting cake uh, we should have some of that today was... stan go back because today's national devil's food cake day oh is it really yeah mm-hmm. yeah I should go I back i didn't and know that I'm, I'm driving right by there on my way back <laughs> back to the camp and i might stop and get some to, to take it and eat after i eat my burgoo there you go okay have it after your burgoo on national uh uh uh, what is it? Devil's Food Cake Day. All right. So yeah. uh, I apologize to the people at Patty's. That does sound very, very good. Now, how how far outside a main metro area is this place? Well, there's a town called Paducah, Kentucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Paducah's in the middle of a town called Monkey's Eyebrow and Possum Trot. Okay. And it's probably 15 miles south of Possum trot, uh, <laughs> about three or four miles from the Kentucky Dam. Okay. So it's, it's outside the metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But the the amount of volume that they do, it's a very very busy place. Wow, uh, I'm I'm and it's called what's it called again? What's it called again? Patties with an I P A T T I S. Uh, eighteen hundred settlement. Patty's eighteen hundred settlement. You know, this is a an obscure little um, detail, but many years ago when I did a show on WSMB, and I'm talking many years ago before Tom and I even met, I got a fan letter from Paducah, Kentucky. <laughs> That's how I found out about Paducah, Kentucky, because obviously they were listening late in the evening. But um, that's that's my only claim to fame at Paducah, Kentucky. But that's how I found out about the place. It's not a really small place, is it? Paducah's kind of on the map, isn't it? Yeah, Paducah's probably got, I don't know, maybe eighteen to 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. It's right on the river. It's right across the river from Metropolis, Illinois, which everybody knows that's where Superman lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the mm-hmm. home of the National Quilting Museum. <gasps> Wait, Paducah is? Mm-hmm. I know, I'd go to that. That would be interesting. I mean, I'm sure you're probably not going to go to that, but... Um, I, I would have I... went to it, but I drove through there. Uh, it was actually on a Sunday when I drove through there, and it was closed. Oh, too uh, but, bad. But they have big quilting conventions. There's a lot. I've seen a lot about quilting in Paducah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's well, really all that I know about it. It's a railroad town and it's on the river. Well, it's definitely, uh, a, uh, not Paducah, but, um, but quilting is a folk art of the highest order. And I think it's, you know, I'm really interested in design. I think that would be really cool to go to. I might have to go there go to the uh go go up to a, on a trip to dozy place and then head over to patty's and the quilting museum all right stan stay with us we're going to be back after these messages with stan meadows care restaurant and supply has reopened for you to come in and shop care has all the wipes gloves and sanitizing supplies that you may need and face masks they have a great selection of takeout containers too call billy to help you plan the renovation of your kitchen or dining room Home cooks will find a great selection of kitchen tools, too. Hours are 8 to 4 weekdays right now. Buy local. Our city depends on it. Care, hotel, and restaurant supply. Call 482-0294, 4815 Conti Street. Mandeville Seafood has been a local favorite, serving their house-made roast beef poor boys, seafood poor boys, and even a French fry poor boy in a fast, casual environment. Here is an extensive menu of salads and sandwiches and fried seafood, baskets and platters, as well as sides like stuffed artichokes, meat pies, and jalapeno cheese bites. And we love the very attentive service here at Mandeville Seafood Restaurant and Market, celebrating 25 years. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings and lots of things are never what they seem. Okay, Stan, before we, for those of you who have not heard Stan before, he is our roving reporter. Stan is a partner in the restaurant Trinas in the CBD. And after COVID started, he decided to uh, put a checklist or put a check on his bucket list and um, cash out of his life here and uh, get on the road in a motorhome. It's a luxury motorhome. Is that is it a motorhome or is there another name for it, Stan? 
It's a motorhome. It's a motorhome. Okay. So um, he's got his, his dog, LW, his hound dog, his faithful hound dog, and his new puppy, uh, who is, wait, what's his name again? Uh, Franco's full Franco. name okay. is uh, Grant Franco Calling Bird. <laughs> That's, uh, when, when he was born, the, the breeder had to register them, mm -hmm. and they had 12 dogs, and so they named them after the 12 days of Christmas <laughs> to register them. And, and so he's Calling Bird, and... Mm -hmm. So whenever I changed his name to call him Franco, I felt like I should keep the tradition of the breeders and name him what they named him also. So he's got so he's a long got a, name. Um, yes, he has a long name. But I usually like call him Don. You used to wait what? I call him Don most of the time. I call him a lot of different names, obviously, because <laughs> he's three months old and wakes me up a lot. Uh, but his his fur, uh, this type of dog, uh, old time Scotch Collie, their fur is described as Teflon, uh, because no matter what he gets on it, if he runs through the weeds and gets burrs on him, or even if he gets a little bit of mud on him, within five minutes his coat's clean, uh, because it just falls off of him. That's why they call him Teflon. And so I think of the Teflon Don. John Gotti, so I call him Don sometimes, most of the time, actually. <laughs> All right, so Stan's been having... Wait, what? What? I have a lot of time on my hands, you know. Uh, you know, well, you know, but that's what we love, because you have time to investigate things for us. Now, here's what I wanted to ask you if we had talked to you last week. I have a whole list of things that I'm not going to get to ask you now because you're gone. Did you run into the black apple in Missouri at all? There's a black apple. No, never heard of it. Never heard of it. Okay. Stan has been out for, let's see, what, 18 months now on the road, and he has been reporting from all over the country about cool things that he finds, not necessarily always eating, but, you know, like when you were looking for the gangsters in Las Vegas, but you were also looking for the the place that shrimp cocktail was invented. So we have all kinds of eclectic reports from Stan every Wednesday. All right, so Stan, no black apple, but you have been eating in Kentucky in restaurants. What else have you found? Kentucky hot brown. You ever had one of those sandwiches? No, what's that? It's a, uh, this is uh, homemade sourdough sliced bread, toasted, open face, and then they put black forest ham and turkey and a tomato on top of it, and then they put a cheddar beer cheese sauce on it, and then oh, they yeah. bake it, and then they put an apple, a piece of applewood bacon on top of that, and it is wonderful. Wait, what is that? That almost sounds like turkey poulet. It also sounds like Welsh rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm highly suspicious of beer and cheese in a sauce. Have you ever had Welsh rabbit? Yes. And and do you like it? Uh, it's okay. I like my rabbit fricasseed. <laughs> well, it's ham. It's ham with a cheese, and so it's like a it's like a um, an alcoholic. Um, ham and cheese sandwich and it's, it's no, i was only kidding with you about the rabbit fricassee 
I know what you're okay. talking about. And it's real close to that. Yeah. Uh, the the, the one you're talking about, the brown Kentucky. sandwich, it's got that, yeah, that, that beery. Kentucky oh. top brown. It's a tradition around here. Uh, yeah. So. Well, it reminds me also of turkey poulet here, which is uh, with a, an open-faced turkey. Now, it doesn't have the the beard, the alcoholic cheesy sauce on it, but it, it has a, like a, you know, it's toasted with a cheese with a lot of cheese on it. Um, why is everything in Turkey, I mean, why is everything in Kentucky brown? There's Brown's Hotel, there's the Governor Brown, and there's a hot brown sandwich. Why is everything brown? I don't know. Maybe I'll try to find that out. It'll give me something to think about. I'm going catfishing tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to try to get some uh, blue catfish. Okay. Uh, blue catfish, is that is that a special a kind? Bold. That's a yeah, special kind. Yeah, there's a couple different fish out there. You've got channel cat and, and blue cats. And the blue cat is supposed to be a little sweeter. Um, and I and I brought I've got my knife, my good knives with me, so I'll be able to cut it uh, thinner than Mittendorf's, as I would say. Really? Uh, catfish has got to be cut thin. Agreed. Yeah. And I have some Zatarans. Okay. From from your and stop with uh, with Ed Richard. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you still have a lot of that stuff, or are you going through it pretty quickly? I ate the last of it, I guess, last night or the night before. There was some stuffed chicken thighs with broccoli frozen, and I thought this is going to be horrible because I don't usually eat frozen food, mm-hmm. uh, especially a, a vegetable and stuffed inside chicken. Yeah. But it was yeah. It was very good. Oh, good. It surprised me. Good. Uh, okay. Well, you have all the dry like, provisions. Yeah. Huh? You have all the dry provisions from Ed Richard that'll last you for a while, huh? Yeah, I've got all the Tony's, Tony Saturday, yeah. three or four different products from him and some Cajun seasoning and community coffee. Okay, so you're set for a little bit. Okay, what else, before you go, what else have you had in the in the restaurants? It sounds like you've been doing a lot of restaurant eating, which frankly has been not much of your repertoire since you've been out. You've been doing a lot of you know, food festivals and, you know, competitions and little, little storefront kind of places. It sounds like you've been dining in Kentucky, which is, you know, kind of different. Hmm? Yeah, I've been eat, eating out more. More things are open right now. A lot of things were closed. Ah, it was hard that's it. Yeah. You wouldn't believe uh, the hard time I'd find in a red velvet cake in Las Vegas, but I found several <laughs> of them. The best ones are Sandstown. You know mm-hmm. what makes it red is the, the cocoa powder, the vinegar, and the buttermilk. When mm-hmm. you mix them all together, it turns red. Yeah. Well, it's not really red. It looks, seems, well, no, it actually is red, isn't it? Now I'm thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, it is definitely red. It's okay. Red. It's kind of like yeah. when you put red radishes in cold water, the water turns blue. Yeah. No one knows what, that's what happens. Or, you know, Stan, you know, the, the, um, the, I want to say the, ha- the javelina fruit. But I'm trying to think the cactus fruit. What are they called again? We talked about it. Prickly, ca- prickly, Prick, prickly pear cactus. cactus. Yes. When you when you take that juice, it's a beautiful pink. It's a beautiful, beautiful yes. color. Gorgeous. All right. It, it what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I, I was uh, leaving Hermitage, Missouri, uh, on the way to Springfield, and I seen a little Amish uh, food processing company that has a little store next to it by food processing i mean i call it old slaughterhouse you know 
Um, but they, they had wonderful meat there. And I went in, they had a little deli, and they had homemade bread, and they were slicing hams. And the, mm. the beautiful Amish people that were working there were singing, singing as they was working. And it made me <laughs> think about how happy they were to be able to work. And mm-hmm. they did an excellent job making lunch. Wasn't anything special. You know, if I had the bread and the ham, I could have done it myself, but it was just the atmosphere. Uh, I bet you the bread and ham was spectacular, though, because their food is really, really high-quality stuff. Very high-quality, and I bought some apple butter and some uh, pumpkin butter from Mm -hmm. them, and they buy a lot of bulk things and break it down and sell it. They're very uh, frugal with their their Mm -hmm. money, and so they'd buy, you know, a bag of whatever seasoning and break it down and sell smaller portions of it. Mm-hmm. And anything that they had in there was fresh. Yep. Uh, and I, I was very impressed by it. By it, if I would have bought some of their furniture if I had a place to put it. Because uh, they also. Well, make what's wrong with you? Got furniture. a big enough? You got a big place that you're driving around on four wheels. Yeah, but I can't put a Amish Andorok <laughs> chair in it. Yeah, I guess not. But I'll bet you, uh, I'll bet you that would have been great because I don't. I I'm surprised somebody else was talking about a pocket of Amishness somewhere, and I was marveling at that because you think of them only in, you know, the the environs of Philadelphia there, and uh, it's they have some in Ohio, of course, and then there's someone else was telling me I don't remember where they were talking about, but I'm surprised to hear that you ran into. Like, an, is it a is it a big settlement or just a little tiny place? Yeah, it was, go, I was a little, little bay town called Buffalo, Missouri. And mm-hmm. you could tell that that was just a little pocket. We went by a, a, a couple of different Amish places and one, it was obviously an Amish farm. And, the, and then, you know, you had the caution signs on the road that had a picture of the horse-drawn wagon. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You know, saying... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't beware. really didn't say anything. I guess it means Amish people crossing <laughs> or whatever. Huh. Slow down. I didn't, but I didn't very know that. I'm surprised. People. And they, they, and they were singing. I don't know a lot about church music, but they were obviously they were singing, you know, church music. Hymns. Yeah, and hymns. Uh, while they were glory to God. Singing, I think that that Stan? should be required. Everybody that that works in the food service business should have to sing while they're working. <laughs> Stan, hold on. I'm not ready to let you go yet. Do you have a few more minutes you can hang with us? Sure. All right. We have the news at the bottom of the hour from the Louisiana Radio Network. More with Stan Meadows after we come back. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Jeff Palermo. For the second time in this legislative session, the House Criminal Justice Committee approves a bill allowing a person 21 and older who is not a convicted felon to carry a concealed weapon without a permit or undergo the training it takes to get a permit. West Monroe Senator Jay Morris says his constitutional carry legislation is about protecting a person's Second Amendment rights and liberties. So that people can exercise their constitutional rights to protect themselves, their family, and their property without having to go to the government to ask permission. But Monroe Representative Frederick Jones says this bill would put law enforcement on edge and it could result in more police shootings of black people. Now it's going to give them a reason to shoot them if they get nervous because they don't even have the training and these guys don't even know if they have a gun or don't have a gun. 
Despite Jones's objections, the constitutional carry bill that's already passed the Senate advanced to the House floor on a six to four vote. LRN. It's the first day of the first grade, and she found a new best friend. It's a layback Sunday afternoon. You wish would never end. The homemade taste of bluebell and good friends gathered round. The good old days are being made right now. Chocolate sheet cake is different. It's richer and chocolatier. Count on Bluebell to make it into milk chocolate ice cream with delicious chocolate sheet cake pieces, chopped pecans, and a chocolate icing swirl. It's fresh out of the oven. <laughs> I mean freezer. The good old days are being made right now. The good old days are being made right now. Look for Bluebell ice cream at your local grocer and pick up your favorite flavor today. Over the last 75 years, New Orleans has gone through many changes, and so has WGSO. From our early beginnings in 1946, broadcasting from the Jung Hotel, being home to Papa Stapa in the 1950s, being a music station, talking biz radio to speak in easy New Orleans style, you, our loyal listeners, have been here every step of the way with WGSO. It's now our 75th anniversary, and we are so proud to have you here with us to celebrate. So we're going to celebrate all year long to show our gratitude to you and make 2021 our most successful year yet. And we will also continue to bring programs that appeal to people of all backgrounds. So from all of us at WGSO, we want to say thank you for making us the community voice of the Crescent City. Autumn in New York, why does it seem so inviting? Boy, advertising is powerful. I don't even like Bluebell ice cream. I think it's too sweet. But um, I, I, I want to run out and go get some of that uh, new chocolate sheet cake ice cream with the pecans in it. Did you hear that one, Stan? Were you listening to that? I did hear that, and it sounds really good. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I mean, I uh, I don't normally eat, I, like, I'm not a big fan of cookies and cream, but I, I'm thinking I got to go get some of that. Anyway, all right, we're back with Stan Meadows, and we are talking about his escapades across the country looking for interesting food, and he has certainly talked about a whole bunch of things. Uh, we talk to him every Wednesday, but it's been two weeks, so he's got an extra big uh, stack of things to talk about. All right, so... Uh, the Amish, back to the Amish just for a brief second. There was something in Tom's Almanac today about the 1950s restaurants not being as good as the ones uh, of today. And I said that that's not exactly true because if you go back to that time when, when ingredients were purer and techniques were simpler, and if you put just a basic good cooking onto premium ingredients that are as close to natural as possible, you can't beat it. And I think that's true of the Amish way of life in general, and certainly any food products that you're going to get from them. So you're starting off with the premium of the premium. I it, think you, anyway. you have to, it's all food services like the KISS. 
keep it simple, stupid. You know, don't you do go. too much. Don't do too much to fish. If you have to put a piece of cheese sauce on steak, then there's something wrong with the steak. It, it, it's used to go. hide. It's used to hide inferior products, and I feel the same way about microgreens and any of the <laughs> any of that kind of stuff that doesn't add uh-huh. anything to the to the taste profile of food. You're, you're just hiding poor ingredients and. You know, back in the 60s and 70s, a lot of the restaurants, you went in and they just served you family style, you know, on a Sunday yep. after church yep. type mm-hmm. deal in Missouri and Kentucky. You go to Mary Major's Tiny Castle and you sit at the big table with your family and they'd start bringing you out food. Uh, What's Mary Major's it, Tiny Castle? It's a, a restaurant around Eddyville, Kentucky. You know, when, when I was a, when I was a child, I I grew up around this part of part of Kentucky, so I'm very familiar with it. I went to grade school probably a, a mile from where I'm at right now. I don't know anybody oh, cool. around. Uh-huh. Uh huh. been how a lot is, of years. Uh, how is that? Is that nostalgically sweet for you? Are you finding any places that you used to haunt as a child that are still there? I did. I this land between the lakes where I'm camping. That's in area whenever i was in middle school you know 14 or 15 we'd skip school uh and everybody drove started driving around here when they were 13 14 years old and we'd go over and land between the lakes and mess around and uh-huh. get in trouble uh you know uh, the rural life that's closed now you know that's very nostalgic uh, uh, uh uh-huh so yeah. Okay, so back to your restaurants. Anything else great to report in the restaurant world in where you are, Kentucky? Not in the restaurant world because I've only been to a couple different places here. I, hopefully I'm going to visit some more. But one mm-hmm. huge difference is, and I've traveled, I, I counted them the other day. I got a map, you know, where you put stickers on every time you go to a new state. Yeah. And I've been, <laughs> I just put my uh, 18th sticker on. But when you look at the map of the United States, I've been probably 65 to 70% in land area, uh, you know, because oh. I was in states like wow. Texas and Montana mm-hmm. uh, and then up, yeah. in, uh, up in the East Coast, you know, as you go four states in there. But the big difference that I found was in the, the wood that you use to build campfires and you use the barbecue. You know, when you're in Nevada or California, Southern California, you you paid $10 for five pieces of wood. And I guess the wood's like palm tree wood or something. I don't know. But here in Kentucky and in Missouri, I can get all that I want for $10 of really good hickory. Hickory, and yeah. Oak wood, mm-hmm. And oak which mm-hmm. is great for, for cooking with and making charcoal. Yeah. Um, How's so the resort where you are? Plant. I'm sorry. How's how's the resort? I know you've been uh, you've been enjoying your resorts. What's the campground like? Are there lots of people in it? There are lots of people. Everybody's gearing up for the for uh, Memorial Day, and mm-hmm. I'm at, I'm staying at a place called Hillman Ferry. It's a uh, ran by the United States Department of Agriculture, uh, oh. and it's a, it's like I'm in the middle of the woods camp, and there's uh just yesterday i seen deer running by the motorhome squirrels rabbits this morning lw 
almost stepped on a turtle and it scared him to death. He thought, uh, I hope I it wasn't a snapping turtle. Was it a snapping it turtle? A snapping turtle. It was a snapping oh. turtle. And there, <gasps> you know, and my grandma used to, and a, a raccoon almost ate me last night. He came after me. But oh, no. so there's a, my grandma used to tell me stay away from snapping turtles because if it bites your thumb, uh, yeah. can't Gone. get it out. You've got to cut the turtle's head off and then you've <gasps> got to wait till the next full moon. And then the turtle's head will fall off your finger, off your thumb. I don't know if that's true or not. But <laughs> Sounds I like an old wives' tale. <laughs> I know, but I didn't want LW walking around with I... a turtle, turtle head on the paw until the next full moon. So. It's not something you want to test, you know? It's not something you want to test. So if you're staying in an agricultural, uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture place, is there any agriculture going on? No, not at all. Okay. It's okay. just, they they, right. they manage the area for it. It's all when they built these these lakes, Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley, uh-huh. uh-huh. uh, to dam up the Ohio River. What what it was about? They had all these space in the middle, and so they just started turning it into recreational area. Uh, I see. Okay. But when I was a all kid, right. I used to come over here and shoot mistletoe out of the trees, uh, so like with a shotgun, uh-huh. so I could sell uh-huh. it for Christmas time. You know, things like that. <laughs> Okay, so before we talk to you next week, and I hope you'll have signal, do you, what are your ambitions for the week? Well, I'm going to make my burger mm-hmm. uh, and cornbread, and I'm going to mm-hmm. go fishing. Tomorrow, hopefully, I'll have, have a lot to talk about fishing. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm going jug fishing with this guy that told me about it. I've never been jug fishing, but you, you get on the lake on the river channel of the lake where it runs fast, you take these jugs. They're, they're basically like the small propane cylinders that you use on like a camp yeah. site grill uh-huh. with a string yeah. and a hook, and then they bait them with shad that they catch below the dam. They go up the river in a boat. They drop 50 of these jugs, and then they go to the bottom of the river real fast, and you sit there and wait for the jugs to come to you. You pull them out of the water, and they're supposed to be catfish on them. Hmm. Did you say shad, S-H-A-D? Yeah, that's kind of a bait fish. Yeah, it's, it's not good for anything but bait, right? I've heard it's a terrible fish to eat. It's a, oh, you can't eat them. When I was a kid, yeah. I worked at, was, I can't remember the name of that bait shop, but all I, all you did was sit back there uh, gutting shad <laughs> and sell them to the fishermen. But no, you wouldn't want to eat them. All right, so Stan, this week, send me a picture of you jug fishing because that sounds really, really interesting and, again, very rural. So what kind of fish are you expecting to catch? Crappie and blue catfish. I think crappie is good. I like crappie. Yeah. yeah. You can only take okay, so, but that's a 10 a day. But, uh, day. but the catfish, you can take all you want. The biggest catfish uh-huh. in the ever caught on record, is, I believe it's on record, is uh, below the Kentucky Dam, 1,200-pound catfish. Ugh, ugh, that sounds gross. And I, I hope they threw it back in because that's, uh, that's too bad. I hope it. <laughs> if, a fish, if a fish gets to be 1,200 pounds, he should be able to live until he, he dies of natural causes. So channel catfish was also one of our edible dictionary words. I'm going to have to 
look that up. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll play the definition of those uh, after, after we say goodbye to you, which we're going to do now and go to a break. So Stan, it's always good talking to you. I always look forward to your reports. It's like I'm living vicariously through you. I mean, I have to say, I've said it before, I'm not a motorhome kind of person, but I am getting more intrigued about it. I have to, I have to say I am, I'm intrigued when before I would just laugh at the notion. Because you sure you sound like it. you're having a good time. What? I think you would love it. Lifestyle. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Anyway, always good to talk to you. Stan Meadows is in Kentucky, and he will be there next week. So let's see what he has to say. I hope you get a signal next week because I want to hear about your junk fishing. Thanks, Stan. Appreciate the call, as always. Thank you. I'll talk to you next week. Can't wait. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, wow, adventures, and maybe not the kind of adventures. He has had the most interesting life, just all kinds of things that he's done. So this is kind of an appropriate uh, thing for, for his life at this time. He and his canine children are enjoying themselves going all over the town, and we're enjoying hearing about him because uh, it's kind of fascinating, all the kinds of things that there are out there that are not in front of our noses. All right, we will be back with more of The Food Show after this. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils. Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. Keith Young Steakhouse on the North Shore in Madisonville is everything anyone thinks of when a steakhouse comes to mind. The environment is elegant and handsome. The service staff is knowledgeable, attentive, and friendly. And most important, the steaks are superb. The Steakhouse sides are also great. Keith Young Steakhouse, 165 Highway 21, Madisonville, 985-845-9940. I like a Gershwin tune. How about you? Yes, indeed. 5569696 is the number. If you want to talk to me, I'm Marianne Fitzmorris. I'd love to talk to you. And believe it or not, I had this thing loaded up and ready to go. <laughs> I just, I cannot believe sometimes the stupid stuff that I do. But I had your story, Henry, okay, I'm going to get it back right now, about prom night. Because the, the more time elapses, the, the further away it's going to get from the actual day. And also, Henry will be gone on Monday. So uh, this is sent to us, or was sent to us, by a, uh, a longtime listener and reader of Tom's um, newsletter. It is a direct quote from Tom writing about himself uh, and prom night. This was written on the 50th anniversary of his prom night. For those people who are wondering what I'm talking about, on May 13th, we were talking about Tom's prom night, which is a long-standing sort of, well, you'll hear about it. Like it's, it's like one of those peculiar art things that someone puts up or some kind of existential thing. This is Tom's unusual approach to, I don't know, 
anyway, uh, this is from Tom's own writing. On this day, 50 years ago, when I was 16, I was stood up by my date for the Jesuit junior senior prom. I rented and wore my tuxedo anyway, thinking that surely a date would appear. I had her corsage and prom favor and the formal invitation, and I was ready for fun. But I left my family's house and drove in the general direction of the fete. I stopped at Bradley's Pharmacy on the corner of Carrollton and Claiborne. I often stopped at the soda fountain for a cheeseburger, fries, really good fries, a cherry Coke, and a slice of apple pie a la mode. I lingered at the fountain a while, showing off my spiffy attire. Finally, I changed into street clothes in the drugstore's bathroom, got into my blue 145,000-mile Volkswagen Beetle, and followed my nose for the next six hours. I traveled along the lakefront to Little Woods, drove all the way back to River Ridge, listening to the rock music on WNOE and WTIX. By the time I was halfway along this route, I knew that the night would be at the, head, at the least memorable, but more likely would be the night I became a man, although I couldn't say why. By the, time, by the time I returned home after midnight, I had no doubt about this, even though I'd done almost nothing but drive around town all night long. In the months to come, I found myself driving the same route as if it were a sacred rite. I kept that up sporadically as years went by. For the 25th anniversary of the event, I created a playlist of the music on the radio that night in 1967. Some of these records were difficult to find, but I did put all of, all of the top 40. I did get all of the top 40. My cassette tape also included the jingles that WNOE and WTIX used in those days. If I say so myself, the playlist is a masterpiece for anyone who was a teenager in 1967. Playing it while traversing the old route without a map or even thinking about it hard was as close to as close as I have ever been to going back in time. The nostalgic washed over me. The nostalgia washed over me magnificently. After that, I remembered my prom night ritual now and then. I didn't write it again for years. Some years, I forgot about it entirely, but almost since the beginning, I had my eye on May 13th, 2017. The 50th anniversary, it would fall on a Saturday as the original prom night had been. I would be 66. How to pull the 16-year-old and the 66-year-old together. Just do it. I had some relics to work with, which Marianne helped me with. She thinks I ought to get professional help regarding all this. Somehow, I have saved the informal clothes I wore as I drove around town in the original. A yellow Oxford button-down shirt, a pair of white jeans, nobody but farmers wore blue jeans in 1967, hush puppy shoes, saddle and suede, rubber-soled, a narrow tie with a Scottish plaid. None of this was the same kind of clothing I wore. These were the very clothes I wore on prom night. And a bottle of Jade East aftershave, which now smells like nothing. 
Amazing. Finally, the car. I had a 1960 dark blue VW Beetle with a sunroof in 1967. I had a 2016 dark blue VW Beetle this night. No sunroof, but both cars had stick shifts and clutches. Many parts of the original tour had disappeared or changed dramatically. Since Bradley Soda Fountain was long gone, I had my cheeseburger, fries, Coke, and apple pie a la mode at the Camellia Grill. Close enough. Down St. Charles Avenue to the expressway, across the city to West End, along the lakefront to the airport there. Then up Hain Boulevard, which in 1967 was a rough two-lane highway next to a big ditch. I remember that there were hardly any other cars and that Paris Road was equally remote. The I-10 had not been built yet. In its place was another sparse two-lane blacktop. WNOE and WTIX were fading out. Scary. To Mid-City and a stop in front of Jesuit High School, which was dark and empty. Everybody but me was, was the prom, I guess. Then to Claiborne Avenue, Oh, everyone but me was at the prom, I guess. Then to Claiborne Avenue, which became Jefferson Highway. Citrus Road, then made of gravel to Airline Highway and the Crystal, where my friends and I went after school every day for piles of square burgers. I ate three of them now. I made my way to the home of my best friend, Bill McCarthy. I thought he might have wrapped up his prom experience, but his house was dark. I made my way back to West Metairie Road, where before my eyes I saw a traffic signal suddenly change its intelligence from the usual green-yellow-red rotation to flashing yellow east and west and flashing red north and south. I had never seen that happen before. I wondered if this portended anything in my future. <laughs> Maybe it did. A few weeks later, Jesuit told me I would not be invited back to my senior year. I wound up at Rummel, which was a lot different from Jesuit. And so the tradition ends. I will never drive that trail again. After the 50th anniversary of anything, there is rarely much to celebrate, as even the memories disappear. My thinking about the whole prom drama is that if I had gone to the prom, I wouldn't have been more interesting. It wouldn't have been more interesting than not going. Indeed, in the days to come, several of my classmates said, after I told them my story, that they wished they had done something like that instead of hanging out with some drippy, nervous girl. <laughs> so there you go, Henry. I'm glad I was able to get it in before you left the show. That's, that's Tom's existential tradition regarding his prom night oh it was beautiful just yes. just all i wanted yes well you know i'm glad that i was i'm glad that maureen sent it first of all i mean all of this kind of stuff is in tom's treasure trove of written material which i never think to go to although other people do and they always send us stuff so i i need to remember or at least get someone to go through this stuff. But, um, but what I'm intrigued by in this is that I, I said that I wanted to drive this route with Tom again, and I didn't know what the route was, but now it's pretty descriptive where it is, so I could probably mm -hmm. um, do it at least in a way that would jar some 
recollection from him and we could maybe piece together the whole thing. But I think he's kind of done with it. I think that was really the end of it for him. He said that after the 50th, he wasn't going to do it anymore. Now, we wound up doing it, I think maybe last year, maybe just because we were in the neighborhood and I don't even remember why we were in the neighborhood, but we only got halfway through it and then he, he couldn't remember the rest of it. But I'm going to try to piece this together and see if we can actually complete the route uh, once and for all. Because I I don't know, I, I would say I don't know why I never did the route with him, probably because I thought it was so stupid. But um, I think I also asked him one time in later years if I could go, and he said no, it was too personal, and it was something that he had to do himself. So, um, so maybe I can I can convince him to do it uh, just this one last time, but that would mean that I would have to drive his car, <laughs> which I, I really don't want to do anyway. It's still so a that good route to drive. I might give it a shot. It Honestly, is. it sounds fun. It is. Okay. Well, I will send it to you if you, please, uh, you I would love that. Notes and then, and then you could, uh, you can go ahead and piece it. I have an idea, Henry, come with us and then we'll all drive the route together. Oh, wonderful. We'll, we'll, we'll do <laughs> Trust me, you don't want to do that. Anyway, that is pretty much it for the show. I want to mention that um, we have a 75th anniversary going on at WGSO, and there is a campaign called the 75 for 75 campaign. It is a celebration of 75 years of WGSO being the community voice of the Crescent City, of them being the only news talk station locally owned and operated, we are celebrating this if you go to the website wgso.com, which is brand new and really, really beautiful. You should go and investigate all of the things that are on there, including all the details about all the shows that are up there that we still need to give a picture to after a year of us being on the station. Anyway, uh, wgso.com, if you go there, there will be a yellow button, and it is uh, a button to donate. If you click that button, your donation will be tax deductible, because in addition to all of these other things that we are celebrating in the 75th year, we are also celebrating that it is a 501c3 designation that's brand new from the IRS wgso.com please go and help us out because it will be used to improve uh, the quality of the station across the board and i know that you would like that i'd like that myself so wgso.com 75 for 75 campaign we on the food show have our own platforms nomenu.com is the predominant one it's been around since the internet was around tom was a pioneer in that N-O-M-E-N-U.com is the address. That is where you will find podcasts of shows that you are missing. It is where you'll find hundreds of recipes that all come out really great. I have tested them myself. You will find Tom's archives, incredible accounts of detailed things, just like that, only about food or restaurants or extinct restaurants or food in general or New Orleans food in particular, a 50-year body of work. It's also where you'll find the almanac that we use as a blueprint for the show every day. It's just fun details about food. We have, in addition to that, our dining diary on the website and also specials around town. All of this can be had in your inbox twice a week if you sign up to subscribe to the newsletter. You can do that at nomenu.com. 
is a recurring subscription and we'd love for you to sign up twice a week it comes out we also have our instagram page at the new orleans menu a lot of pretty pictures there that may or may not coincide with what you read on the uh on the news uh, on nomenu.com but it is a fun a fun instagram people love it it's very pretty it's at the new orleans menu we would love for you to follow us on at the new orleans menu please tell a friend about the show it'd be great if you told them about a place that they can escape for two hours every day from all the other dark stuff that's out there it's not you know gonna change your life but it will make today for two hours a little bit better we like to have fun on the show and talk about food because it gives us pleasure and there's not enough pleasure out there right now. So please tell a friend about the show. They can go to uh, the Simple Radio app and download it free and type in 980 New Orleans and listen from wherever they are. Tim McNally is up next with the Dine, Wine and Spirits show. We have Nicole Dorignac tomorrow at three and that's about it for us for this show for today. Join us tomorrow, please, for more talk about food at two o'clock right here on W. GSO. It is WGSO New Orleans that you're listening to. It's 4 o'clock. For the best in politics and news of the day, catch Jeff Cruer and call in Monday through Friday from 7 to 11 a.m. on WGSO 990 a.m. New Orleans. It needs to stand up for Israel in their fight against the Palestinians and Hamas terrorists. Now is a time when the Biden administration ought to step forward and say we're gonna replenish the Iron Dome munitions that are saving thousands of lives. Cruz and other members of the GOP also saying the president needs to stop talking to Iran, which funds Hamas. Instead of attacking and belittling and undermining the nation of Israel, President Biden ought to be standing with Israel, 